0: Snack. Production. Market. The and the ISX stocks. This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag.
1: Welcome to Motley Full Money, our very special Sunday Mailbag edition. With me, Scott Phillips, who works for the Motley Fool as our chief investment officer. We give independent stock recommendations and investment advice and education. And him, Andrew Page, the managing director and founder of Strawman.com, which is what again? It's a private investment club. I think it finds a profit online investment club, Andrew. Sorry, online. You clearly haven't been listening club. well Thank enough. You. I have Thank been you. paying attention. Good catch, good catch. <laughs> mate. It is good to chat to you again. Feels like two days, but it's really only been fifteen minutes because we just did the last episode. We are going to record our Sunday mailbag episode. Which, which? How's your favourite? Would you prefer the the Friday apps or the Sunday apps? Do you have a favourite? Um, I I think I lean towards the mailbag
0: because okay. at least we know we're talking about stuff that people are interested in rather than <laughs> what <laughs> just what we want to talk about. But I like both of them. They're
1: which, lit. which I think I think what you just said is what I thought. Which is actually Friday more fun because we get to talk about what we want to talk about. But Sunday feels more fulfilling because we're actually doing yes, something that other yeah, people. that's the way. Of yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> we're actually helping in the other case, which is always which is always <laughs> nice, mate. Um. Yes, this is uh, one of our last episodes before I go on leave. We've got some next week to do as well. And then I'm off into the wild blue yonder. I have said already on Friday's app. if you want any questions answered, do. I don't think I'll share the socials again today because it's boring for everybody, but you know what they are. Look us up on any of the socials or info at fool.com.au and you can find us there. Mate, um, a great question from Joseph to pick up the episode. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this because I love this one. Not so much in terms of, well, partly in investing, partly the, uh, the macro and kind of the policy stuff, which you know we both love joseph says scott picking up on ram and your discussion of norway's pension fund what about diving into it i hear it's the single largest owner of public companies in the world maybe their investment style or objectives or whatever have some interesting parallels for regular folks do they just buy everything or are they some super smart folks over there doing something we can learn from always love the podcast cheers mate full on from joseph now mate I did unusually for us. I did little top. Well, I wouldn't say research. I clicked on the link that Joseph sent me. It was, <laughs> but I really. So this is, oh, mate. You know I love sovereign wealth funds. You know I love the idea, and this is just super smart. Like right? I just. It, I'm reading through this thing, going, my god, how are the Norway Norwegians so smart and we're so unbelievably stupid? So let me let me just read a bit. Mm-hmm. A, a quick a quick summary of, for those who don't know what this is. This is from there. It's the. I think it's is it Norges Norges. So anyway, it's the Nor. It's the. um Norwegian way of saying Norway. So we, we I don't know why we use other countries' names. We call other countries our own names rather than their names, which is always bizarre. But anyway, this is from the investment management firm that manages the fund, the Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund. Uh, they just say this. Norway's oil fund, or the Government Pension Fund Global, which is its official name, was created after we discovered oil in the North Sea. The fund was set up to shield the economy from ups and downs in oil revenue. It also serves as a financial reserve and as a long-term savings plan So that both current and future generations get to benefit from our oil wealth. Uh, They say it was decided early on that revenue from oil and gas should be used cautiously in order to avoid imbalances in the economy. In 1990, the Norwegian parliament passed legislation to support this, creating what is now the government pension fund global. Uh, As the name suggests, it was decided the fund should only be invested abroad, which is also interesting oil revenue has been very important for norway they say but one day the oil will run out the aim of the fund is to ensure that we use this money responsibly think long term and so safeguard the future of the norwegian economy and mate i just i kind of you know swoon a little bit and then curse the nutbaggery in canada uh, Canada, Canberra. Oh my God, Canada! Not bagger in Canberra. Sorry to Canadian listeners. It's um, uh, <laughs> right, Canadian. Yeah, yeah straight on the bus tonight. Yeah, that's right. Your yeah. bloody fault. you bastards. Um, they are a very similar economy. Should be are. pointed out. And just like, you know, so the fund is now one of the world's largest funds owning almost 1.5% of all the shares in the world's listed companies. It means we have holdings in 9,000 companies worldwide entitling us to a small share of their profits each year. In mm-hmm. addition, the fund owns hundreds of buildings in some of the world's leading cities which generate rental income. The fund also receives a steady flow of income from lending to countries and companies. By spreading our investments wisely, uh, widely, sorry, we reduce the risk of the fund losing money. Each year, the Norwegian government can only spend a small part of the fund but this still amounts to almost 20% of the government budget. There is a broad political consensus on how the fund should be managed. The less we spend today, the better the position we will be in to deal with downturns and crises in future. Budget surpluses are transferred to the fund while deficits are covered with money from the fund. In other words, the authorities can spend more in hard times and less in good times, so that the fund benefits as many people as possible in the future too. Police have agreed on a fiscal rule, which ensures we do not spend more than the expected return on the fund. Bloody hell, mate. Like, doesn't it drive you just slightly spare that we have yeah. done absolutely nothing like this? Oh,
0: where, where do you start? And The thing is, I, let me just say right at the beginning, like, it, it feels like, oh, I've got to... It's like talking about religion or politics or sex. You know, it's sort of... It's that... It's, it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about because people have such firm views on yep. this stuff. And I think yep. certain ideologies of just from either side kind of make... Th- things sound controversial <laughs> when they really shouldn't be controversial <laughs> right. like some things that are just black and white like whether you know here, here it is at the end of the day um, natural resources are a finite resource they belong to the the people of, of, of the country um, we should use them um, mm-hmm. as, as judiciously and responsibly as we can but they'll go at some point right and and we could we could live like there's no tomorrow and have a great party with that money mm-hmm. um or what we've done, we could let other people come in and have a great time with that money, and then let them leave, and <laughs> we'll pick up all the mess and maybe get a few scraps. Um, or we could we could take that money yeah. and we could invest it for ever, uh, and just have this brilliant portfolio Sweet of, of that we're just you know what. A, here's the thing with Norway, right? Population something like 5 million people and they own 1.4%. <laughs> yeah, like, that's right. what's the quality
1: of life oh, like in Norway? Just must be terrible, bro- poor bastards. Yeah, yeah. when
0: it's, it's interesting, they, they've got there's actually been there's been lots of books written on it. The, the yeah. Scandinavian model is as it's called, is just it's this mm, fascinating mm, mm. to me. I love it because it's sort of. It gets away from the ideology. It's kind of a blend of capitalism, of socialism. It sort of takes, it just sort of cherry picks the best things from everything and puts it together. There's no private schools in Norway and they have the highest levels of academic achievement. There's very, very low levels of homelessness and social problems in Norway. Like just, they just get so much so right. It's one of the highest taxing places in the world, meaning, you know, well, oh, that sucks. But they also have the highest level of services and, and standards of living in the world, too. It's just, they, they just, Get it right in in so many different ways, and this this is one way. So again, it sounds. I, I hear myself talking, and I, I I feel opinions being formed and judgments being made.
1: No, mate, you but you did right. But I, I, I think
0: you know. I, I just I, I I I like to consider myself whether it's true or not. It's probably not because we all we mm. all fool ourselves. But I like to feel that I'm a. I'm open-minded and and I'm evidence-driven, and I think if if that's who you are, then it's hard not to look at that and at, le- at
1: the very least say, "There's probably a few ideas we can copy there." Mm-hmm. I just I, that 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 page, just the home page of the of the thing, just copy-paste that, you know, some legislation, get it done, and start it tomorrow. Just it's madness, yeah. a- absolutely freaking madness. Um, yep. Mate, so the, the question for Joseph wasn't so much about the fund itself, although we just covered that. And that, that to me, despite Joseph's question, is is the, the strongest reason to talk about it, just given how incredibly, incredibly um, successful it's been, how just stupidly smart and obvious the idea is. He asked about the companies they invest in, mate. I, I will say for what it's worth, um, because they are so big, it's hard to take too much from it. If I was to... If I was to... Um, if I was to summarise... They're investing. So they do say, by the way, they do make some choices around... So firstly, it's global only, which I actually love. I think this is... And Australia would do well to copy that, right? We've got yeah. enough money invested locally and the economy is local. We're,
0: we're less than 2% of global markets, right? Right, right. So, yeah.
1: Invest the thing globally. Diversify. Yeah, so that that's number one. Second thing is they have... I'm not necessarily a fan of this strategy necessarily, but but they actually do invest across um, a whole lot of classes. They talked about that. 72% of the fund is in equities, shares, 25% in fixed income, 2.5% in, in property, uh, and then apparently 0.1% in renewable energy infrastructure, which is a okay. funny in and of itself, but go on. I'm gonna blow your mind a little oh, bit. Oh, here we go.
0: Oh no, it's no, it's Finland. I was gonna say,
1: um, okay. there's some crypto in there too. I think. I sure <laughs> just, just put the that way, there and the way way let's move on. Not let's, stupid, move on. <laughs> let's, let's, not, let's not get carried away. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, t- three quarters in equities, a quarter in fixed income, and a time of percent in investments, roughly, in real estate. Sorry. Um, so I thought that was interesting in and of itself. I would put it all in equities personally, although if they've got a cash requirement um, for the for the government to, to either receive or, or, or give a surplus and deficits then it makes a whole lot of sense uh, they have some fixed income just to smooth the flow like we do with Everlasting Income at the Motley Full hour service we have for income it makes some sense to have some cash available I think that's way too high personally but you know who am I, who am I to tell the Norwegian pension fund what they should do um, so that, I thought that was interesting just in and of itself mate uh, market value 1.4 trillion dollars if you don't mind um, which I just thought was also really, really impressive. So there's that. And then just to, just to the question, um, by the way, if you want to check out the website, nbim.no for Norway, uh, is, it's really cool. They actually list all the stocks. So the number one position uh, is Apple, worth $24 billion. Uh, then Microsoft at almost the same amount. And Alphabet, Google, uh, Amazon, Nestle, Meta Platforms that owns Facebook, Taiwan Semiconductor, Tesla, Roche, the drug company, ASML, a uh, computer chip company, NVIDIA, another computer chip company, and so on, Royal Dutch Cell, Samsung, Tencent, Berkshire Hathaway, Vonovia, LVMH, the company that owns Moe, Hennessy, Louis Vuitton, um, Novo, Nordisk, and, and so on. I own some of those companies. I'm not going to disclose each one because I went through a whole list then. Uh, you get the idea and you know which ones I already own. So just, I just thought it was a really interesting... Um, a really just summary of you know they look like they are picking stocks. It doesn't look like. In fact, if you look at the weightings, they own 11% of a company called Venovia in Germany. They own three and a half percent of Royal Dutch Shell, but only 0.8% of Apple. So I have to assume there's some active stock picking there somewhere, um, at least proportionally in terms of the average weighting. But it also seems to me buying, they buy they own almost all the big ones, just in slightly different variations as you have to if you, if you own one percent of the companies in the world you have to to some degree you know be a little bit indexy a little bit next hugging uh so maybe it's just maybe just the equivalent of one very very large etf i'm not sure your thoughts on any of the, the holdings mate, or the, the stories there See, so this is this is you know it's such a great idea in
0: as an idea um as with so many things it does it comes down to the execution so you know I guess if you wanted to be critical of it, you could say, "What a great idea!" And then you look at their portfolio, and it is all in crypto or something like that. You could think, wow. you know." So, it, so it does depend, um, and there is going to be some stock picking skill that's there. there. When you have what did you say, 1.4 trillion there, it's kind Looks of like it based on numbers. You uh, just US dollars
1: too, by the way, not Australian. So that's what close right, to two trillion right. Australian, right. I
0: suppose. By the way, do some maths on that. Mm-hmm. Say that they sort of average mm-hmm. 10% long term. Argue whatever that should be. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. that's like thirty grand US for every single man, woman, and child in that country each year for doing nothing. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Forever, right? Like it's kind of, it, it's just it's hard to wrap your head around that. So they're they all, they they will get to a point, you know, presumably where it's just like, you know, what?
1: None of us need to work anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just live off. Let's just live off the dividend. Twenty percent of the government budget is funded by this thing. Like yeah. if, if that if that is not public policy. Beauty, uh, I don't know what is. And look, it didn't
0: happen overnight. It, it, but, but yeah, look. So I'm off, I'm, off, I'm already off off tangent. Um. The, y- yes, I think you? that makes a lot of sense. I would do it. I would uh, like you. I would go very heavily into equity because this is this is long term. It's actually a forever investment time frame. So you can you can handle the volatility. I would go for all the biggest and best companies around the world: mm-hmm. Europe, mm-hmm. Uh, America, Asia, uh, Africa. You name it. Just whatever. Yeah. If it's yeah. a good quality company and I, I I would do it um it's it's just like a global ETF really It'd be a bunch of rubbish in there. and there'll be some absolutely outstanding things in there yep, and it's more or less like, I, I, look, I call it five percent. <laughs> I mean people will oh, you'll you'll never get that whatever it is you know it's 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 the great thing about a big portfolio and a very simple direct investment mm-hmm. strategy mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that very little work to administer um, and yeah yep, and yep. It, this is the benefit of being rich, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. think think about, think about yeah. it on a on a on a human level, yeah. not yeah, exactly. on a nation state level. Exactly. And I gave you five billion dollars, and mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. like you, 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 just you can't. It's Brewster's millions. You can't yeah. spend it, right? Yeah. It's just. <laughs> You know, and you not only that. You can actually do a lot of good with it, within how you direct the fund. It's just, yeah. it's the most, it's the smartest thing in the world, and and I just wish more countries would would do it. So they no look. So here's the thing, right? So they made their money out of fossil fuels. Yeah, exactly. Now, yep. Now that that era is ending. You yep, can correct. debate how what the timeline is there, but they're not idiots. They saw mm-hmm. they saw the writing on the wall ages ago. And by the way, we should have a conversation about how their energy minister. Um, uh, administered all they they taxed the foreign uh nationals i think it was 78 percent for the tax rate and and so, oh, so they okay. said yeah come come on in come on in we've got heaps of oil and gas go for it okay um but we're going to charge you you know at the, no we can't do it, it was like, all right don't come oh okay we'll do it right. well we better make some money than none right and like look what we did here <laughs> It's just it's just it's it we we sold we sold our our own assets to to to, to to other people (laughs) it's just madness um i don't know mate i'm just so in awe of it i'm so in i'm so in awe of it 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 is something that anyone with a bit of vision Mm -hmm. and leadership should and it's it's the thing is too it's you you would imagine it's such an easy sell like what's controversial like if you're a politician if anthony albanese got up and said hey we're going to start doing this um It just, anyway, uh, we've fawned over it enough, I guess. But it's, it's a great, it was a great question. It's a great idea.
1: We should see more of it. Yep, it's just an absolute no-brainer. I, I, I just, I can't even. I can't even, mate. It, it's, it's so obviously, obviously, obviously a great idea for a million different reasons. And we're just, we're blowing the mineral wealth. It is not going to go forever. Whether even, even iron ore. Once you dig it up, you know <laughs> how many hundred million years do we have to wait for the next lot to form? Like this is not, a, this is not an infinite resource. Like literally to, to, to uh, one quick rant, one very quick rant, to believe either implicitly or explicitly that we can take an asset left to us by our forebears, take it out of the ground, mine it, sell it, and then use that money on whatever bloody consumption I feel like doing today, and leaving nothing behind for the kids that they can't use, what we've taken out. Sorry, kids, spent the inheritance. Bad luck. Mm. In a country that we, we inherited it, it's a one-off resource. Literally a finite resource in, in any in any human timescale. To to literally just say, yep, we spent it. Bad luck. I I don't. It's even... worse,
0: mate. It's worse than that. It's not. We didn't even. I mean, if you want to break it down, the um, there has been some good think tank studies mm. on, on mm. this kind mm. of stuff. I mean, it, it's it's. Gas is the one that's in the news at the moment so the figures are more at the top of my mind but I think it's the vast majority of it is foreign owned and they pay very little profit very small amount in royalties so so it's not as if the, the money that was there to be made most of it didn't come back to the pockets of Australians that so it's it's what you're yeah, saying yeah. but but worse it's not like we spent the grandkids inheritance we gave the grandkids inheritance to someone from overseas <laughs> who went, who went over to Europe yep, and yep, America yep, yep, and spent it like yep. that, it's it's that bad. And people will think that sounds controversial, but it's it's mm, fact. Mm, mm. Sickening, absolutely sickening.
1: <sighs> Bizarre, mate. Bizarre. Okay, let's uh, let's move on because I just I can't do any more of this. Uh, Dear Scott and Andrew says Mick. Love the podcast. Great banter. No BS. Have you been listening? No spin information. You keep us learning. Thank you, mate. Mr. Page, says Mick. Jesus' He doesn't know you very well. Requested a challenge. My question is, how would you design an income-producing portfolio using only index ETFs? And here's his conditions. Hmm. $1 million is the starting capital. No more can be added from employment income. The aim is to produce an average 5% plus return Whilst preserving the capital against inflation. How would you gentlemen achieve this? And would you leave some in cash to ride out the downturns? I realize this is a general advice only. Thank you in advance. Best regards, Mick. There you go, mate. Mick mm. has laid down the million bucks, 5% return, ETFs only. What you got, Hotshot? That's the movie. Set. <laughs> oh, that's. What was that? what was that? I mean, if, that I, if, that's I'm building
0: my, if I'm building my own ETF,
1: yeah. that's, that's no, a you different don't thing. Own ETF. He wants to well, use index ETFs.
0: Well, I, yeah, I mean, well, I, I kind of, when I, hmm. So if it's an index ETF, well, I'm just going to get the yield of whatever the market is. I think the yield of the Aussie market at the moment is something like 3.5%, I want to say. So probably close to 5% if you want to throw in franking credits. So there you go, buy the ASX 200 and you'd you be, you be close. Um, um, there are in, there are specific income ETFs out there. So that feels like I could do that, which will have higher yields. and feels a bit like it's cheating but in answering the question it probably Mm. achieves that Mm. the trouble i have with a lot of these income etfs Mm. is that they as we've talked about repeatedly they they go out and they buy all the stuff with the highest yield and people are going andrew what's your problem with that That's, that's like exactly what you should do but as we've often talked about the best income producers are often ones that start with a lower yield but then the dividends grow at a much faster rate so um, I, I would I would much prefer a, a yield of three percent where the dividends grow ten percent each year than something that's a five percent yield where it grows at like half a percent each year. I'm just I'm just mm-hmm. significantly better off after any meaningful period of time. Um, it's a hard question. Would I leave any cash on the sideline? Mm. Um, uh, well, it depends, right? So let's say it, it, this is this is why financial planners always say you know. You've got to take mm. your own mm. personal circumstances into account. Let's say, for the sake of argument, you own your own house. There's no mm. mortgage on it; you own mm. it, and you got a million dollars. So, on a five percent grossed up yield, you know you, you're getting fifty grand. Um, that's a thousand dollars a week, more or less. Mm. You don't have any rent or mortgage to pay. Pretty good, pretty good lifestyle, right there. It's good more result. than enough for a for yep. overseas trip, and yep. you know, lots of um, avocado and toast. toast. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. Covers, it covers. No, no letters To good. be fair,
1: these days, no, like, no well, Come on. <laughs> no, maybe some cabbage <laughs> even the cabbage is going up in price mate substitution effect saw a great chart during the week which was cabbage the features. price of avocados
0: yeah um, and it turns out that they've been one of the best inflation hedges so if you could <laughs> go back back in they're like where do I put my money I need to hedge against inflation avocados Turns out, I'm
1: not, I'm not great, sure. Great mate, question, that stood though. The test of time. I don't think. I think no, a no, no, bought no. seven years ago would be uh, worth as much as it might have otherwise been. But I take your point more broadly. <laughs> no, 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 no. As an asset class uh, or something. As an asset arguably. class,
0: yeah. It's a great. It's a great question, though, Mick. It's, 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 it's you, you've, you've, you've fenced uh, me in a little bit there. There's, a, yeah. there's a few
1: constraints. Yeah. Um, what, what would you say, Scott? Then. <sighs> so I, I will. So I think I'll echo your point. Actually, here's here's the thing. If you if you think about a portfolio that needs, well, <laughs> the, the only thing I would say is right now, a Mick wants to preserve the capital against inflation. That's going to be seven percent this year. You will not actually do that this year. I don't. I don't think you can sustainably with index ETFs or anything really get five percent income plus inflation beating returns and expect to do that this year. It's not going to happen. So uh, there is a massive asterisk for me, which is just it, it assumes that inflation is out of control and doesn't stay high forever because you know we, you're just not going to but if we were to say inflation is likely to say 3% over the long term then 3% capital growth 5% income is, is almost a doddle it's better than you'll get almost any other time and across any foreseeable future I think that's a very 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 good uh, very, a very good index return so realistically Mick you kind of get an index return with that sort of thing anyway plus as interest is the franking credits on that um, so here, here's what I would say though I, I, I the challenge is the challenge is actually not the income the challenge is the capital because you can buy a portfolio chock full of banks and get five percent tomorrow, right? You could buy a a, a bank ETF, I'm sure they're around, and, and do and do it and do it completely fine, right? Do I think the capital will appreciate it three percent a year? I don't know, probably actually, yeah. A reasonable guess, probably. But there'll be some times when depending on when you put the money to work, if it was put to work today and the banks were expensive and then there's a crash and whatever, you may not preserve the capital every year against inflation or even total against inflation. You may find that in 10 years time, you've taken your 5% out, maybe you've got less than you started with or the same or something. Maybe you kept up with inflation, maybe you haven't. So I think that's, you know, it's a really difficult one. I will say this is a a cheat and it's also a half plug, but it's not intended to be. We have a service called Everlasting Income. I think I've talked about this before. Our our current benchmark is 4% plus franking credits. Um, And it's specifically that because we could get more, but we don't want to be overexposed to individual sectors or industries. So we have, I think it's, I want to say it's about 60 percent, I think, of the of the of the entire portfolio in banks, and only one of those is one of the large banks, uh, because we don't want to have, you know, we, we could actually boost the income tomorrow by having more banks. We just don't want to. We don't think it's a good idea. We don't think it's smart. We don't think there's obvious value there, so we don't. Uh, but if you buy an index, that's you know, buy an ASX 200 or 300, you're getting half, you know, third banks and financial companies. So that, that's kind of the that's kind of the reality. Um, so. Yeah, th- those things are those things are real. Um, they are to some degree obvious, um, but I think for mine, yeah, I, there's also a high yield ETF around, which uh, VHY, I think it's a Vanguard high yield, which is also interesting. I don't. So actually, what I'm going to say, Ram, I don't think you're going to get five percent plus, excluding franking credits. Including franking credits, you could buy an ASX 200 index and just do it that way, and that's all you need to really do. Um, you might do slightly better. Uh, otherwise, you you can't use international ETFs. They won't give you that sort of income in terms of cash income. This assumes, by the way, Mick, too. You want to get dividends rather than sell some to get the income out, because uh, that's the other thing, right? You could, you know, if you it's like Berkshire, right? If you <laughs> you buy Berkshire uh, and then just sell five percent of the holdings every year for your income, if you wanted to do that. So it assumes you want to use it with, with pure dividend flows rather than generating income. Um, so that's enough for that cash to tax to right out the downturns, kinda. So again, I'll talk about everlasting income, not as a plug, because we've actually thought this through. We have 4% of the everlasting income portfolio in cash, roughly, at any one point in time. It's partly about the downturns. It's partly about uh, managing the cash flow between dividend seasons, honestly, because every six months you get dividends and you get nothing for a few months. Maybe you get a couple that trickle in, so Pat's pays out of cycle. Um, a couple others do too. I own some shares in that. Most pay in the same two or three months every every year or every six months. So, you know, half of you're getting something, the other half of you're getting nothing. Um so we do it for that reason. But also, if we pay 4% out, so no, no, no surprise there, if every dividend in the portfolio went to zero for a full year, we could still pay those dividends. Now, they haven't. They won't. Um, but if they were to halve for a short period of time, they go back up. We figure that's enough to write out the downturns. Because again, we're talking about downturns in income. The share price can go all over the place. Shares could halve. And if the company's just as profitable, the dividends won't change. So there's no need to worry about that. You only need to worry if the profits fall and the dividends get cancelled or cut as a result. Is that a reasonable response, Rob?
0: Yeah, yep. I mean, All it's right. it's it, it's um it's one of those questions. I love it because it's yeah. it's pretty straightforward on the surface. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> that's right. You can you, Until you start there's, scratching. There's, yep, yep. There's, there's there's nuance there, but yeah, there
1: really is, isn't yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, nice. I think we covered it. Good question, Mick. Though. I like it. I like it a lot, mate. Um, so bottom line, I think I think five is probably more aggressive than you need to be, and might tempt you to take uh, concentration risks. I wouldn't take one for the mailbag. Says Matt. Hi, Scott and Andrew i have been told that companies and the economy grow at a compounding rate, i.e. 8% per annum. Why is that the case? It seems to be true over the long term, but this settlement sentiment sorry rings hollow to me without an explanation. We live in a finite world, so how are our economic systems set up to grow exponentially? It doesn't make any sense to me. Keep up the good work, Matthew. Matthew's also got an episode idea, which I'll get to in a minute. Uh, it's a really good question, Ram. Do you want to have a swing at that one? It is an outstanding question. We, we, we too often
0: accept things as facts <laughs> yeah. without asking why. Yep. <laughs> and when we do ask why, we tend to just refer to history mm-hmm. and forget that actually a lot of these numbers come from extremely recent history. And you want to go back to the Stone Age, well, it hasn't compounded at that rate. I mean, mm. mathematically, it can't compound at that rate. Yep. Right, because we 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 just don't have the resource. So it's a, mm. so it's, it's it's an excellent question. I, I've pondered the exact same thing myself. It's a very smart economist kind of make the argument that eventually we we actually we can't at, at some point. And then you go, then you get deep and metaphysical, right? It's just like, do we go into a more digital realm where mm. actually mm. those constraints aren't there? Yep. Yep. You know, with the things that we value. Uh, you know, if we live in a metaverse, you know, maybe we mm-hmm. we can. You know, yep. it's. A, it, it's 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 really. A, I actually don't have a good answer for it. I don't have a good answer for it. Mm. One of the ones you can look in terms of an index. Mm. We have mm. say I just said it before. You know the, or at least um, referenced it was the idea that markets sort of grow at ten yep. percent compound. It's like well, yeah. What actually happens though when you break that down is you have a handful of companies that grow at extraordinary rates, like companies that didn't exist. Mm. Ford mm. didn't exist. It existed made squillions of dollars, created huge amounts of value and accounted for a huge part of the index's gain. And then it waned and then and then now it's other. And so as as it waxes and wanes, so as companies, new companies come into existence, Apple mm, didn't mm, exist mm, 30 mm. years ago. Yeah. Um, and and then it did. And now it's the biggest company in the world. And in 30 years time, it'll be probably something else. Mm, and so mm, it, it, like mm. it get one gets taken out. Another one gets, you kind of, you kind of have a bit of a shell game going there that allows that, that rate to sort of grow. Um, so it's, but if you take the world, like planet Earth, and you add up the GDP from every single country, GDP is a crude measure, by the way, but let's go with it. Um, I don't think you can expect much more than two or three percent. In fact, if you want to inflation adjust, it's 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 hard to get. I mean, the only a, a purist would say the only gains you get are the gains you get through productivity enhancements. In other words, I used to catch a fish with my hands. And then right. I invented a spear. Yep. And then I invented a fishing rod. And then I invented a net. And then I invented a trawler. Mm-hmm. You know, so, mm-hmm. so, like, so, me as an individual, I can, mm-hmm. I can now go out in my boat and catch thousands of fish pretty easy. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that's where the growth comes from. It comes from yep. productivity. Correct, correct. correct. Uh, I can't magic new resources out of the air, I can only become more productive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, it's such a deep question, man. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I don't have an easy answer, but yeah.
1: yeah what do you think? Oh, you've done a great job. I'm going to strip it back a little bit here, Matt. Um, so first thing I'm going to say is the 8% is company. The economies tend to grow at about that 2 to 3%. And those numbers are not very different per year, but they're massively different over the long term. Mm-hmm. So the number of years it takes something to, to, to double at 8%, what's that, nine-ish years? Mm-hmm. At 2.5%, th- doubles every 30 odd years, roughly, right? Mm-hmm. And that, those time scales are really, 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 really different over the extended period of time. So it's much harder to imagine a, an economy growing at eight percent. In fact, Buffett uh, about Berkshire has done the same thing. So look, Buf- Berkshire can't continue to grow up better than the economy for too long, otherwise it becomes bigger than the American economy itself. Mm-hmm. The it, size is its own is its own restraint constraint. So, I, I, so I want to make that point just because it, when we start talking about the what and the why and the how, they're very very different. So let me do the company one and come back to the economy one. Part of the company one is Andrew's point about um, uh, the. Um, the productivity of the businesses on the markets. Hmm. The next one is that, this is why I like shares rather than property, by the way, without reopening that can of worms, is property is the entire property market in Australia by definition. Every single dwelling added together is the property market. When we look at the equity market, it's not every company in Australia put together. It's only the very, 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 very tiny percentage of Australian companies that are listed on the stock exchange. And so they are a subset by definition. And that subset has over time tended to be A, the highest quality businesses and B, taken share from those other businesses out there. And so you can have a subset grow faster than the system by definition anyway, even before you add in productivity and that sort of stuff. So there's all of those, that that kind of goes into it as well in terms of why companies could grow faster than the economy in, as, as a subset of that question. Back to the economy. Andrew, you made a great point. Inflation is part of it because we talk about these things often in... Uh, in uh, nominal terms including inflation rather than without inflation and so mm. the reality is when you strip inflation out you bring that growth number back a little bit you then bring back pro- productivity back a little bit and you get to a smaller number again yeah. and then as you said and the thing i think is most <clears throat> striking of this one is well, there's two actually i'll, I'll try and do one at a time i'll do the easy one first technology is is it, oh sorry um non-physical goods are super important as a part of this so think about, think about the growth of, of the businesses. And I'm thinking about revenues here because profit, again, is a different thing. Amazon is growing because it's taken profit away from everybody else, right? Almost everybody else, almost by definition. Uh, and so in, to some degree, Amazon's growth is Circuit City's loss went broke in the US or Tandy's loss here or Dick Smith Electronics loss here or, or you know, may, maybe not directly to Amazon, but you get the idea. There is some creative destruction here, which is just a reallocation. Um but technology think about the products that we consume um think about social media think about streaming video content think about nri recording this on zoom which which the multiple pays for uh it has no you know there is no resource really being used up relative to the amount of revenue it, it gains right it's not it doesn't have to chop down a new tree every time we, had, we do a phone call it doesn't have to you know does not have to mine some more coal it doesn't have to um use up more food in terms of the physical resources of the planet so the world is becoming much 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 more digital and that actually gives you a massive upside for economic growth the last one is the the really messy mucky one Andrew, and jump in this right, to either help me mm. or to disagree entirely but mm. <laughs> money's a weird thing I'm not gonna get you started on Bitcoin, I promise. Uh, I'm gonna stop, stop you getting started on Bitcoin. <laughs> Economic growth, you know, the, the, and back to the kind of fractional banking system, fractional banking system. The, the, the idea that, you know, I spend more, so Andrew earns more, so Andrew spends more, so I earn more, so I earn more, so Andrew spends more. That that, that kind of I, I Mac that up, you get the idea. The round around circles, the multiplier effect of that is kind of to some degree a bit of a little bit of a shell game. <laughs> and and but but that that impacts both inflation, as we just talked about where I started and the actual productive output of the economy. So if I produce something someone else wants, they're going to pay me more for it. I'm going to spend more money, which gives them more money and so on and so forth. It's why the economy is something of a shell game and why it relies on trust so much because we couldn't liquidate all the assets. It's like a bank run. You couldn't liquidate all the assets of the financial markets writ large, including property and everything else. So give me the money for that. There's not enough money exist, in the world. Right? Yeah. It doesn't exist. And that's okay. Like I, I, it's, a, it's a feature, not a bug, but it's a bit, it does kind of mess with your head a little bit. So, part. Of, so I think I see a lot of people say, you know, the you, you, economy can't keep growing, or degrowth has to be the answer. I think there's some value to that. I really do, and I think we're going to have to have a reckoning around that because your 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 underlying assumption about if it can't grow forever is absolutely true by definition, literally. But so you know, there is a there is an endpoint. Is it a decade away, a century away, a millennium away, or multi millennia away? I don't know. No one can know. Uh, but my my sense is, if you think about in 1800 and something, 92% of us worked on farms. Uh, 8% of us did non-farm jobs. These days, how many in the knowledge economy, so-called knowledge economy, how many uh, working in digital realms, my uncle plays Minecraft on the computer. Um, we pay my, my, Microsoft some money for that uh, every month. You know, that, that kind of stuff happens and there's no additional creation, or, or more importantly, there's no additional resources being used up for that. So the resource intensity, if I can say it, of the economy is falling and falling pretty fast. And I think that will continue to be the case. And so that actually- Just very, very on, quickly, yeah. some, there is some power and
0: server costs and infrastructure, oh, totally. but, yes,
1: but yes. yes. So it's not free. But that's what I'm saying. The resource intensity of that dollar being spent continues to decline. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. like, free. You know, if, I, if I was to buy him a toy car, it would- ta- And I'm not saying that, by the way, toy cars, aren't, are, they probably are better than my being stuck in front of a screen. But if I was to buy him a toy <laughs> car, it, it would cost- time, money, energy, resources to make it you know smelt the metal or cut down the wood or carve the wood or whatever, when he gets to play with virtual digital blocks, it's just going to be less resource-intensive per dollar spent than it would be if I bought a physical toy, which I probably, again, I should do. I'm not saying it makes sense as a, a developmental thing. Uh, we'll, have, we'll have my parenting critique later. But, um, but, yeah, there's something to that in the meantime. The resource intensity of the, extra, the incremental dollars we're spending continues to decline reasonably precipitously, particularly over a two-century basis. But yeah, we're actually going to have to pay the piper at some point on this one, and there is no perfect single outcome. Do I do an okay job of so, that?
0: Yeah, I oh, look. We we could we could catch up for an hour a day for the next six weeks and talk yep. about it. We could get yep. the world's greatest economist and yeah. thinkers in, and there'd be huge debates. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's, I mean, this is this is the thing that just blows your mind. But I just love, mm. I love the question because I do often think there is such value in just mm. questioning mm. and coming at things from a first principles kind of standpoint. Yep. Um you know it's just we just we just we're just, we're just mm, mm. S- slightly smarter than average monkeys, and so much <laughs> of our world is just a shared narrative that we yep. that we have you know it's it's worth remembering that at, at times you know i mean if, if i you know i yeah, uh, look so I, I I keep wanting to go towards Bitcoin only because it no. sort of helps explain monetary policy and the rest <laughs> but I want I will I'll go and instead to another favorite hobby horse but just just quickly it it is why I think you can say well why I can say um and have eagle over my face is why property this this idea that property grows at seven percent every year it's just sort of like well it's it's it that's that means it doubles every 10 years so I mean that can go on for a long time but it, it just it, fundamentally doesn't, because if I extrapolate that forward, it gets to a point where Australian property is worth more than the entire GDP of planet Earth. I mean, mathematically, right? 10% is exponential growth. It just, you can't, right? Not, okay, we want to talk about uh, indi- indices are different. As you say, things come in, things go out, things get taken from somewhere else and then put into other things. Yep. But when you're talking about aggregate level yep. kind of stuff, it, it physically can't. Um, and also, not yeah. only that, but the money that's coming in to do that, it's coming from other, perhaps, you know, yeah. potentially more productive places. So, it's yeah. kind of, ah, it's wild. It's wild. Mm. Anyway, I get mm. myself into trouble if I keep talking. But I think I think it's an outstanding question and, and one worth seriously thinking about.
1: Yep. I like it.
0: I, the other thing I would say,
1: though, is uh, we need to be a little bit careful not to disappear into its own self you know, there's some navel gazing in that, which theoretically is super, super interesting. Investing wise, I think you might tie yourself in knots unnecessarily doing so. Is that is that reasonable to say with that, without wanting to be uh, without wanting to be dismissive? I'd say, don't worry about; it, doesn't matter. Just you know, don't worry your pretty little head about it. There is some element of kind of like it's interesting, but in the meantime, don't lose the don't lose the opportunity.
0: Yeah, I think so. Like ten thousand years ago, someone grabbed a, ta- a clay tablet and they said, "I've got mm. ten mm. sheep." And yep. I'm gonna just re- gonna give it to you, and I'm gonna record it on this. Yeah, and we've just been doing it ever since yeah. in more yeah. and more complicated ways. Like they, literally, that's nice what we've good. been doing. Yep. And and it's just really when you think mm. about it, this whole system of finance that we have, we just use these tokens mm. called mm. dollars just to sort of keep track of everything. Yeah. Yep. You know, and it's, then, it's, it's, and a then way
1: to, it's a way to equivalize the amount of work we do and the number of things we have. It, it allows us
0: to get away from barter. Yeah. It allows yeah. us to do things really powerful like specialization. Mm-hmm. Allows us to transport value across time and space. Mm-hmm. It's like it's, fun, it's one of the it's it's one of the world's greatest inventions. Like mm-hmm. money, without without money, we our society yeah. we we're still we're still living in, in communities of one or two hundred people and yep. and fighting each other with, with spears. Like literally, that's 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 where we are. It is mm-hmm. it is a it is a global coordination mechanism. Um, yep. But when you strip away all the complexity, that it really is it's like mm-hmm. hey, I am going to do something and. This is creating value for someone, whether because I'm providing them a service or I'm building something for them or making something for them. And someone else sees that as value and they're going to do something else. And then that's going to, we're just going to coordinate it all through these little, whether it's a seashell or a glass bead or, you know, a US dollar or dare I say a Bitcoin. It's it's, 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 it's whatever you want to use. That's That's what we're trying to sort of coordinate here. And and it's just it's just worth keeping grounded on all mm-hmm. all of that stuff. It's why I think you can look at a lot of this macro stuff that we're going through. It gets to mm-hmm. a point where it's sort of mm-hmm. like any great like look at the GFC. Just pick a recent one when everyone just starts rampantly speculating on collateralized debt obligations. Yeah. Get the, you know, just you get to people go. Oh, I don't understand it, but I assume yeah, it makes yeah. sense because a lot of yeah. smart rich people are doing. It. It's like no, it actually doesn't make sense. And you're right to question. And if you can't understand mm-hmm. and if you can't explain it simply, it's a, it's actually a giant red flag. Mm-hmm. Eg NFTs, eg all these other kinds of things. It's just like yeah, yeah if if it if it if it doesn't <laughs> if it doesn't translate back to some yeah. kind of real world value, then there's something that. For the trouble is with these things is like craziness can go on for a long, 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 long time before yeah. it, before it sort of someone opens the shades. Um, yeah. I'll anyway, like I'll I'll stop at this point.
1: No, it's a good point. It's it's also going back without going back over the old grants. Why it's why the real returns after inflation matter and that kind of stuff to really strip back what is the incremental return being made because the value of money continues to increase. That inflation bit is never real in any meaningful way, right? Something cost me a dollar now, a dollar three in six months' time. Uh, It's all only one thing, and so that part of the growth you just need to discount by definition because there is literally zero incremental (laughs) resource. It's just it's just that we denominate it differently, Um, and so you know it's just that's one of those things. And
0: to bring it to an investing standpoint, Mm. you know, this is why you know Buffett talks, you know, price does not equal value, and it's kind of one of that feels like a double speak. Like the first time you hear that, you go, "What?" But it's just like, well, one measures the other. Yeah. Um, But but that's what you're asking when you invest Mm -hmm. in a company is like what value. Is being created here yep. for, for shareholders, mm-hmm. and 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 it's a, it's a it's a really great mm. question. Mm. You know, BHP creates value because it digs up this stuff called iron, or that we actually need to build the modern world. That, yeah. That's value. That's valuable. Um, again, you can get into the weeds with how you value that and the rest of it. Apple makes these really cool devices that everyone likes. You know, mm. so mm. and then there are other companies that really don't do much. Mm. <laughs> like, totally. lots of them yep. on the ASX. You know, or you're really buying a promise that we will do something valuable in the future. And that's that's when you get, you know, So, so I, yep. ask yourself whenever you're buying, whether, whether it's a, a, a Rembrandt or an a investment property or a share. Another like, one. Jeez. What is the, you know, can you, can you ever have too many Rembrandts, Scott? <laughs> I, um, I don't know yet, mate. I haven't, I haven't found my limit. Let, let me know. Let me know. Um, <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like ask, that's the, that is the fundamental question yeah, to ask. Yeah. What is the value being created here? And is it yeah, re- nice. being represented fairly? It's, nice. it's very powerful.
1: Nice, nice. Uh, Matthew then goes on, by the way, to say, P.S., you asked for suggestions on episodes. I would love to hear an episode on crypto in general with all the gory details. I'm a trained software engineer and have done serious reading as you have suggested. I am not convinced it offers or will offer italics anything. Close italics Mm -hmm. of value that doesn't already exist in a superior form. They are slow. Visa does 1,700 transactions per second versus Ethereum at 30. Inflexible. Code can't be be changed easily once published. Inefficient. Uses more power than Argentina. Makes everything public. Get ready to be doxed and data mined by big companies. And worst of all, completely centralized in that the big miners suck up market share. This is not to mention the negative social externalities as specified in the YouTube documentary line goes up. How could you invest in an asset which promises the world but has no path to delivery? Please feel free to prove me wrong with technical stats as deep as you want to go. Which sounds like a challenge. And I well, we are we are, we are a,
0: we are we are going to do a a special episode. So I will hold back on that, please. But please. let me just say at the beginning that I actually agree with virtually all of that. It's, Excellent. Let's it's, move on yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. we, we won't it, with the episode. Andrew is going to sell his Bitcoin tomorrow morning. Uh, and, uh, I just have uh, we'll to we'll say one, one thing, and then I'll move on. Is that this is what <laughs> no, you
0: want? So imagine if I said to you, Scott, we're um, <laughs> at a barbecue, and I say, "Oh man, I bought this dodgy. I bought this. I bought this biotech company, and mm-hmm. I lost all my money. Shares and mugs game. Yeah. You would go." Well, you know, Mm -hmm. just because that was a really crappy investment doesn't mean that investing in shares is a crappy investment. Mm -hmm. And I think this is what my frustration at the moment is, Mm -hmm. is that Mm -hmm. crypto is this very broad term. And like, I think all of the criticisms that get leveled at it is pretty bang on. Yeah. But there's one perfect thing called Bitcoin and there's a bunch of what are called shit coins if i can use that language
1: no, <laughs> and no. and there's there's some nuance to be teased apart no, i can't wait no. i can't wait to do it we're going to spend an hour on it it's going to be oh, great God. well a bit more than an hour i'm tipping i'm not sure how we're going to have that conversation but we are going to have that conversation <laughs> so i'm um, looking forward to looking forward to having that conversation <laughs> mate uh, that that was a good one all right so i i uh matt you are well, you're going to have your or well, your wish you will you'll get your you'll get your wish um another interesting idea for the podcast or I'll hold this one off uh, but uh, Simon wants us to have a time machine episode where we hypothetically Ooh. go through what happened what might happen next how we prepare for it and then look at the actual realities uh, as a way of kind of because he said uh, you often say comments like when this podcast is dug up in 10 years time we'll know the answer Mm-hmm. Yes, the problem, of yeah. course, is the future is unknown. And by the time the yeah. circumstances have played out, the issue of the day has long since moved on. With this in mind, my suggest is a time machine episode. So we'll have a think about yeah. that. Same thing yeah, for, cool. for, the, for the idea.
0: Motley Full Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener.
1: Uh, Noel says, Hi, guys. Thanks for the pod. A great pod, he says. Always insightful. Thank you, mate. I have an asset allocation question. For people who are currently paying off a mortgage, I guess there isn't much of an asset allocation question to answer. They simply use their savings to pay off the mortgage. For those of us who rent, do not have a mortgage to pay, and are not planning on buying a property anytime soon, how should we consider asset allocation? For the past 15 years or so, I've been following a basic 60-40 allocation, 60% shares, 40% in bonds or cash. During the COVID crash, I found this cash buffer really useful in allowing me to stomach the plunge in value in the shares portion of my portfolio. And as a result, I was able to remain calm, not sell, and allocate more cash to shares during the downturn. However, most other times, with so little return on cash, this strategy often seems too conservative, especially when when compared with most others my age, mid-40s, who, apart from some rainy day money, are, "quotes fully invested, close quotes, via a mortgage and super. Any thoughts on how we should think through the asset allocation question? General advice only, obviously. Thanks and have a great holiday from Noel. Noel, I was going to say Andrew's not having a holiday, but he gets to spend three weeks not talking to me. So he may think that's a holiday and I wouldn't (laughs) think the slightest. he uh, everyone, everyone's got to have something out of this one and if andrew has gets to you know get away from me for three weeks then he's welcome uh, but, but by the way don't feel don't feel uh, too happy for him he's got to spend extra time with me in the first, next couple of weeks pre-recording all the episodes so he's well and truly owned his you gotta, holiday you gotta pay the piper eventually <laughs> exactly exactly then again i get three weeks without bitcoin so i think i win um <laughs> What, what do you recommend it's a really good question from Noel it's a great um, question it's also interesting what, so I'm going to just preface this with a comment and then ask you the question but mm. what I like about Noel's question is he considers residential property in my mind shouldn't be considered an investment in the asset kind of return on assets you know you've talked a lot about this before I've talked about it I wouldn't consider it an investment asset in the same way Uh, Because it does things other than just purely financial returns, but it's also worth. What I liked about it is he's saying fully invested via a mortgage and super. That idea of you say regularly opportunity cost. um, You know, those people who are saying, "Well, I've got no extra money, or a little bit extra money because I'm paying off the mortgage," uh, are are choosing to allocate some money to that. So they are fully invested in in that in that very different different sense. So I kind of just liked the I like that that kind of. way he framed the question as he asked it but um, mm. generally mate 60% shares 40% bonds cash benefit during a crash mm. not great rest of the time necessarily mm. and Noel's wondering if it's too conservative
0: yeah I think so and and Noel the, the, the hypothetical you paint is actually my exact situation mid 40s renting um, thinking about how I allocate my capitals you know, mm. I, I, I have thought about it quite a lot <laughs> uh, and we did a whole episode on rent versus buy mm, which mm, um mm. I'd encourage you to dig up there because there's a lot of nuance and, and uh, we went into it in, in a lot more detail. Yeah. But I think, mate, you've got you've got another 20 years until you retire. Mm. I mean, bonds sort of offer you this veneer of safety, but mm. they, I'd say they're the riskiest thing you can hold for the long term because they're just going to get eroded away through inflation, really. Right. So it's, it's an incredibly risky investment. They're incredibly safe investments over short mm. to medium mm-hmm. terms. Um, They're very, very risky outside. And by the way, they can be risky in the short term. If I have a thirty-year bond that I want to hold for a year, Mm. that's a really risky investment because the the market value of that bond can change. If I'm buying a bond that's going to mature in a year or two, that's different because I'm, you know, it's the IOU. I'm going to get all my money back plus any coupons along the way. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, bonds. Forget about them. I mean, you you will, you will over the next twenty years suffer through. I don't know, probably two or three. Really bad bear market. If, if history is any guide, two or three, and maybe yeah, more. Right. You know, you're you you guaranteed to do it. But despite all of that, again, history—I can't. Mm. Someone's made the comment already. It's a good comment. And we need to make it. But the, the past is no guarantee of the future. Yeah. But if you find that as a reasonably useful guide to the future, um, then yeah, I, 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 I would be 100% in equity. It feels like this funny money kind of stuff. But just again, mm. back to first principles. You just, you're just taking ownership and a bunch of productive businesses and you know mm. i i don't i don't think it's as it's as risky as numbers on a screen is is what the impression that that most people tend to have um so it's going to be far far if, if you were 58 i'd be saying something entirely different but but you're not um so yeah i i would i would just go that way i would leave some cash for the you know your your, your car gets wiped mm. out or mm. you know mm. the The hot water heater blows up. There's always the. There's always life's little surprises that Mm. you have to deal with. So you you want you want to make sure that that's kind of covered there for a little bit. But other than that, hundred percent shares, man. I for think, me, yeah. For me, very quickly. Let me just.
1: Yeah, no, no. I, I so, like, I agree. I, I'm exactly in your camp, mate. I have. I, I the only cash I like to have in my investing is the money I've just saved and almost about to invest. I don't. I don't do cash on the sidelines at all, at all, at all. I don't have any um, income needs from that from that cash, so I don't have to worry about that. If I did, I would absolutely have money aside, as you say, mate. Um, with with one exception, one really, 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 really important exception, which is that. Um, to Noel's point It depends on The degree to which He needs to have that uh, Psychological cushion or buffer um, You know To, to, to quote Noel uh, He says As a result I was able to remain calm Not sell and allocate More cash to shares During the downturn If being 60-40 In, in shares and cash and, Or bonds Is the best way For any of our listeners I won't, We can't give you Personal advice Noel as you well know um, For any of our listeners To, to manage their own Psychology, emotions, portfolio during those times. If 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 you if you end up with a subpar or suboptimal return, I don't mean suboptimal as a, as a, in a critical way. I just mean like you know, it, my, to your point, Ram, I, I think you get a better return with shares. So if you choose not to have as many or as much money, as a higher proportion in shares, I think you're probably choosing for a suboptimal, as in less than completely maximised, uh, return. But if doing ha- having a slightly suboptimal return let you avoid being even more suboptimal because you do sell when things get rough, and then by any again, if things go back up again, um, you could be you know cutting twenty percent chunks out of your portfolio every time there's a crash, and that's really going to hurt you more than being uh, probably maybe not, but I would I would argue more than being a little bit more conservative for that allocation. So if you're asking us, let's all let's you know we say this regularly. If you're asking us mathematically, what do we think the best return is going to be? With, I'm with Andrew certainly historically, and I believe in the future. Shares will outperform, I think, property, and I think with a high degree of certainty they will outperform bonds. So if you're asking me if I had to invest over the next 20, 30 years, what would I do? I'd say, well, I'd be in shares because I think that's going to give you the maximum return. So that's what I would do. It's what I am doing. Uh, but if you're saying I can't do that and sleep at night or withstand those crashes, then I'm saying to you, right, allocate as much to cash as you need to to mean to to allow you to withstand those falls, so you're not tempted to do anything. Oh, well, I'll say silly. I don't mean silly in a critical way but you know so do anything uh bad or, or <laughs> inadvisable uh when when those sort of circumstances hit so yeah. uh yeah I, I think asset allocation is generally i i don't I'm, I'm always stuck with this one i don't want to criticize the financial industry too much because there is always that line between behavioral and mathematical outcomes right i think asset allocation if they, if someone pretends you asset allocation is about maximizing your returns then you need to call them out on that because it absolutely does not. Absolutely does not. Year on year, it minimizes the chance of a really, really bad year, absolutely. It also minimizes the chance of a really, really good year. And I think it minimizes the chance of a a maximized total long-term return. So if someone says to you, be, you know, have a broad asset allocation because it's good for your portfolio, I would say respectfully rubbish. If they say, "Here's what I think is best for you because of your risk tolerance," that's a very, very different question. I think I've said before, you know, the only good advice is the advice that's taken. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if an investment advisor said to I me, mean, "Look, Scott, I hear you. He was saying this client needs to be 30% shares, 70% cash, because it's the only way they can invest, and at least they're getting something on that on that shares portion." I'm like, "Cool, I get it." If they say it needs to be 60-40 because that's the best, you know, alpha, beta, delta, gamma, long-term volatility, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I, I hear you, but you're talking rubbish. Um, you've let the academics take over the reality. The better return is going to come from the best quality asset class. And in my experience, in the experience of the market over long periods of time, that is, and I, I think will continue to be shares.
0: Mm. Fair? Yeah, I mean, just just go back to first principles. Yeah. You know, it's just- Yeah, totally, exactly, exactly. Look, yeah. there's, 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 there's the value in cash, gold, Bonds, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like th- that. Is generally, it's going to be there when you need it to be there, and there's value in that. I'm not the last person to yeah, say yeah, there's yeah, no exactly. value in that, exactly. But, but generally speaking, uh, and if and if you're like looking towards a, a large purchase mm-hmm. in the in the nearish term, or even the medium mm-hmm. term, that's a really great option. I yep. definitely consider yep. it. yeah but if your if your if your goal is instead long term wealth creation mm, and mm, mm, planning for a retirement mm, that is a decade or so away, mm-hmm. it's just the worst because the compromise there is of, yes you get the safety <laughs> at the expense of the returns. Mm, mm. The market will give you the returns at the expense of the quote unquote safety, and even then that's not the best word because it just means volatile, it means it moves around a lot, it's very <laughs> emotional, <laughs>
1: that's
0: right. you know. But that's again, right. for, what right. I say first principles, I mean, I mean they're real world businesses, mm, you know. I mean mm, for mm. the most part. You know, there's, there's a whole bunch of people who, who bring food from farmland, stuck it on the shelves, and there's a really valuable... We talk about value creation. That's, that's, that is, the fact that I can wander down the street, go for a 10-minute walk, and have products from all around the world neatly packed up for me, that is, that is immensely valuable to me, and there's a company that is providing that. It employs tens of thousands of people and will probably be around for a long time to come. Um, that's a real-world thing. You know, there's, there's other ones out there that will look after the toll road that I drive to Mm. work on. There's, Mm. there's Mm. another one out there that makes sure that when I, when I punch some numbers into my phone, I can talk to someone on the other (laughs) side. You know, these are, these are all real world things. And, and kind of when you, again, go really, really deep onto this stuff, it's like, well, Mm. the person who says that's not going to work out Mm. is kind Mm. of Mm. saying, well, not kind of, is explicitly saying society is going to collapse. Which it might, by the way, it might. Maybe there's a nuclear war tomorrow. I mean, in which case, who cares, right? Like whatever, got, <laughs> whatever your investment is, you're stuffed, right? So it's kind of like it's a bet on the ongoing progress and yep. prosperity of humanity. Yep, now, if you yep. don't think that, then go buy a tent and some seeds and a shotgun because that's mm-hmm. your best por- portfolio. Um, but if if you do believe in that, and it's probably the, a good bet, um, then yeah, productive enterprise, man. It's it is it is it is. It, Businesses just makes – makes creates far more value than, than a block of land or a chunk of metal or, yep. you know,
1: a, a pretty picture. just does. And particularly individual businesses, right? Back to the question we, are, we answered earlier. Um, the overall economy can only grow at a certain size and short of the, the mix between profit and labour shifting, which it has, by the way, over time, obviously mm. uh, capital and labour more, more accurately. Um, mm. You know, the economy grows – the growth of the economy, which is then split up between capital and labour – um, if you want those returns, as you say, Ram, not only it, it, it's business, but it's but it's to my mind anyway the best businesses. It's possible the best properties also do better than the property market. So oh, if you can do that. That's also worthwhile, right? So you know, it's, we should be a little bit careful. We don't we don't say the property market versus this company singular, uh, because you know it is the whole thing. But the good news is that the best, biggest, fastest growing, best prospect businesses tend to be almost always at at large individual. Private companies, notwithstanding, mm. listed. So you you know the, the stock market self selects <laughs> quality for you. Um, so not only do you, if you buy an you ETF, you get a diversified portfolio of Australian businesses, but you get a diversified portfolio of the best or, or most of the best Australian businesses, mm. yeah. and that that puts the odds even further in your favour. Yeah. Mate, one last question from Genevieve, and then we'll finish up for this Sunday. Uh, hi, Scott and Andrew. She says, "I'm addicted to the podcast." And I love the good oil pod too. Thank you, Genevieve. And I really appreciate the thoughtful, common sense approach delivered with authenticity and humility. And she likes me too. My only wish is that the <laughs> mailbox, mailbox episodes dropped earlier on a Sunday. I would love to hear your dulcet tones. Dear, dear, I'd love to have your dulcet tones accompany me as I exercise and or do the housework in the morning. I, so here, here I'll put this out. If you want our... Malvague episodes drop at an earlier time let us know Genevieve has uh, there's no reason why it needs to be midday by the way we just chose a time that we thought was reasonable we do drop the Friday ones after the market um, we used to do it I think at four or earlier uh, we changed that for entirely internal purposes but actually lets us have better conversations with our members which is oh listen sorry which is that our trading rules um, apply for two trading days either side of any public comments at the Motley Fool There's is not Andrew this is Motley Fool and uh, I so front run out, everything man. Yeah, exactly oh, really. God, joke that's a joke, I see. Oh, it's a joke. Oh, that's nice working with you um, <laughs> but yes because it just means that because it's after market it makes that simpler if it was dropping during market hours it, just, it makes the calculations difficult and just means we can talk about less stuff generally or at least it raises the risk so we decided to do that after the market um, Sunday lunchtime was just kind of an arbitrary decision we just thought you know you get it at some point in your weekend so if you want it earlier like Genevieve let us know literally just hit us up because um, we don't really care we pre-record them It can go at any time Uh, We try and spread it out between that and the Friday episode so we don't have two Eps drop at the same time. But we're not precious, so whatever you want. Uh, Thanks, Genevieve. though. It's very kind of you to say. My question or topic for exploration is around personal relationships and investing specifically how to ensure different risk tolerances or approaches do not end up damaging your relationship. The good news is Genevieve that uh, Ender and my wives would would agree that we are very, very good at relationships and uh, you've come to the right place for relationship (laughs) advice. (laughs) (laughs) Frankly, you know we're we're good at finance. We're very, very good at relationships. No, we have very, very patient spouses. Maybe we'll try and lean on that. Two examples, she says. One, investing someone else's money, e.g. looking after a portfolio for a parent, sibling, child or close friend. Two, investing shared money, for example with a spouse she says here's my war story my dad has been investing since the 90s and did quite a well for a while did quite well for a while. in 2007 i let him convince me to take out a margin loan and let him invest a significant in equities on my behalf just prior to the gfc he has a penchant i like that word for speculative gold explorers and let's just say we have very different investing ideas over time i've gradually wrestled back control over my portfolio but it has come at a significant cost, both financially and relationship-wise. I'm sorry to hear it, mate. That's that's not good. In retrospect, I wish I'd been more assertive, but at the time I was trying to prioritize my relationship. Being, quotes, right, is very important to my dad, who is particularly p- prone to various cognitive biases over my finances. Any tips, ideas, principles, etc. welcome. Full on, Genevieve. Um. That's a really, really, mm. really, really, really great question. Genevieve. Firstly, as I said, I, I'm sorry you've you had those losses and I'm sorry it's um, harmed your relationship. Um, I'm not going to... I'm going to give you a little bit of relationship advice, mate. Uh, I think you're doing exactly the right thing and I think that uh, I, I will hopefully, kindly and, and gently say that uh, I think that your dad's not giving you a, a particularly good uh, financial outcome. And I think that if there is a number of control going on there, it's probably not particularly healthy in your relationship more broadly. You probably know that. I'm absolutely no psychologist or relationship counselor. So I'm trying to be delicate and gentle and not over egg the pudding or over, over play my hand here. But um, Matt, I think you're right to take that back. I think that trying to maintain a relationship is, is really, 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 really useful and important. Uh, but I would also say if that relationship is being maintained at, at a financial or emotional cost to you, um then there are probably some people who are more informed than me uh, more capable than me who would say that it might be um worth putting a stake in the sand and well i don't want to be responsible for your relationship with your old man getting worse i do think there are um, times and places uh and if if you know being right is more important than your financial outcome to him then there's probably some some other conversations to be had or other steps to be taken so i'll say that delicately and with zero uh, expertise right so um At this point, I probably should say like we should with financial advice, uh, go and see a relationship counsellor or someone who knows more about this than I do. Um, But it's a really, really important topic. And I think I just worry that it might be symptomatic of other um, control issues or or concerns that might be worth resolving. So I'll say that, again, very, very gently and then walking it back very quickly because I don't know enough to to know for sure. Mm. Um, So, look, in terms of of investing someone else's money, um, I'll I'll go first round because I'm already talking. Uh, first thing I'd say is I have always I have invested other people's money on their behalf um, only only my parents in law and my mum and uh, in doing so the approach I have always taken from the start is to re- make sure the first thing they knew anyone who asked me for advice who I know personally is make sure that um, they knew that I I don't know what the future holds uh, that no one can know for sure that I have a particular approach to investing that they absolutely need to be long-term. And then I say, I can't tell you what to do, but if I was in your situation, here's what I would do. Or easier sometimes, here's what I am doing myself. And that basically says, I'm not saying what, telling you what you should do. I'm simply saying, here's what I think makes sense. Here's what I tell our members. Here's what I do myself, or here's what I do if I was in that situation. But then you need to decide what you want to do and whether that's appropriate for you. And doing that lets me uh, show without telling and also make sure the decision is theirs at the end, rather, hey, I will manage the money for you. It's, I, I, I'm really happy to help you. Here's what I'd do if I was you, but it's up to you. And it puts the agency in their hands, both in terms of their degree of control over what they do, but also uh, their uh, desire otherwise to blame me if things go go badly uh, or things go wrong. Not because I'm trying to avoid blame per se, but because it's important for the relationship and for their finances uh, that they are going with their eyes open and willingly doing what they, um, what they want to do for themselves kids is different I, I've said before I've got a little bit of money uh, invested for my son who you know doesn't know I'm doing it and I probably won't tell him uh, because we'll do it at some point in the end of the day here, here's what you've got at some age either here take over the portfolio or here here's the money at some point in time so that's how I'll do it with that with a child is, child is easy um, I hope that's I hope that's somewhat useful sharing investing shared money is a really really different one Andrew and I are both um, we are more involved or more uh have a greater role in investing uh, our individual families monies but our wives are both involved in the conversations um i'll let her talk to that but generally again it's one of those here's what i would do the the, the most important thing for me because of the way we invest is get the get them the ethos right get the here's what here's why here's how because if you can get them to understand the way you're approaching it and buy into that my wife now says no oh, the market's dropped No, or at least we're long term we'd have to worry about it uh, you know, of, of her own volition. And I hope I'm right, by the way, because if I'm wrong about that, then I've led her up the garden path as well as thousands and thousands of our members. Uh, but if I am right, she's come to a position where she accepts and believes and agrees that that's the right way to do it. So she's absolutely 100% on board. Doesn't always love it. We still disagree or or discuss the investment ideas and, and decide what to do. Um, but but she's bought into the idea of long-term and, and the, the the growth of the market, all that kind of stuff. Ryan, that's enough for me. What mm. do you think in this, in this context?
0: Generally, as a rule, I don't. Give investment advice to family and friends. <laughs> I just uh, the most important things. I heard one yeah, um, yeah. guy I quite like called Naval Ravikant. He's a bit of a thinker, a tech entrepreneur. Anyway, he's he's he. Uh, I think he nails it. He sort of says the three big things in life are your health, mm. your mission. So you know what what gets yeah, nice. you out of bed. What are you yep. here to sort of do on the planet? And you know, Bitcoin. Whatever that is for you. What what be- <laughs> Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> So your health, right. your, health um, mission? your mission, yeah. and and relationships—they're like the, the three big ones, right? I like like that—that's and actually a lot of psychology to, and mm. science mm. to back that up. That's mm. that's kind of what matters. It's sort of yep. like if you've got some really bad health issues, kind of nothing else matters, mm. and mm. mm. etcetera. If you can be the richest person in the mm. world, but if everyone hates you and you've got no friends, you're, you're probably <laughs> a miserable person. Yeah. So they're the big things, and so I I, I just value my relationships a lot more than yeah, than. Nice. And I, you know, that being said, there are exceptions. And when I when oh, I have oh. given advice, it's usually just you know spend less than what you earn, regularly tip <laughs> it into an ETF. Yeah. Go, go do what makes yeah, you happy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it's just easy advice. Yep. Yep. Um, so I don't really go much further than that. And then oh, there are yeah. some close mates I have where I'll be like, hey, I'm bought this because I know that they get it and they're into it and they know. Yeah, it. right. And okay. For me to do that though, it has to be that this isn't advice. This is just me talking rubbish mm. and you you do what you do you man <laughs> i don't care and like no they'll, yeah. they'll they'll yeah. call me on yeah. my my yeah. bs and they'll do their own thing and that's yeah, and i'm right so we're happy to have that chat cuz i yeah. get that but this is because the last thing in the world I want is that friendship to be ruined in three yeah. years' Someone said, "Oh, you told me to go Bitcoin, and it's gone to zero, and mm-hmm. I hate mm-hmm. you, and that mm-hmm. friendship's gone forever." I don't, I don't want that. Yeah. Um, so it needs to needs to be someone I feel as though understands that they're ultimately making their own choice. When it comes to my my lovely wife, yeah, same kind mm-hmm. of thing. We've, you know, she's heard me bang on about this stuff for ages. <laughs> she, she just, you know, she's just yeah. but every now and again she just sort of says a re- you know, um, you are. She'll 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 question things like, "Are oh, you sure?" Oh, oh. <laughs> like, yep, yep. and she'll give you that look that <laughs> penetrates into your soul. Because <laughs> I'll be going, "Oh, this yep. and this," and then you go, "Are, are you sure?" Yep. And that's a really good pause for thought, but um, <laughs> but also you know I, I think you, mm. we've been together for ages and we, we've we've been through all kinds of ups and downs on the market. And so it's like yeah. she she's pretty cool. Actually, the first just this week, actually, I said I said oh, wow, it's really scary out there. And mm. she's like, what are you talking about? And I said, oh, you know this and that, and you know it could be a big recession. And mm. she goes, what? And I'm like, well, oh, you know, it's just you know it's scary. And she goes. You, you always tell me not to worry was like now now that you're saying you're worried that, I, that I'm, worried, I'm like oh well no i'm not I'm not worried worried, but it's just yeah, sort of noteworthy yeah and, yeah, um,
1: yeah but
0: money. uh yeah it, it like so money money is one of those things that mm. can absolutely destroy a relationship yeah. so i yeah. I think you need to any anyone out there is is it's just relationships are too important to to mm. risk on money
1: I think that's right um I can't help but add that. Uh, healthy relationships are too important risks for money. So uh, just to 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 Genevieve's point, if there are other issues that are actually symptoms of an unhealthy relationship. I, I, last thing I want her to do is to not worry about her investments because she's worried about placating someone who maybe isn't looking after her best interest despite even even potentially their best intentions. So, yep, uh, yep don't don't wreck a healthy investment, a healthy relationship over money. Uh, by by the same token, again, I'm not a relationship counselor. By any stretch of the imagination whatsoever. I have zero experience, zero qualifications. Don't listen to me. Except um, that if you're in an unhealthy relationship and it happens to be one of the um, Symptoms of that, or one of the um, what's the word when something's shown as a result. Anyway, one, one of the one of the examples of that is is control over money uh, and or whatever else. Uh, just just have a think about whether you know don't 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 jeopardise a healthy relationship, but equally don't let an unhealthy relationship that's actually also costing you money uh, be the thing that you preserve at the expense of. Frankly, your your mental health and, and emotional well being, but also your your financial well being as well. So again, please please see someone who knows something about this stuff rather than me. But um, to whatever extent that's that's relevant for you listening, um, then hopefully it might give you just some some ways to, to have a think about it. But Genevieve, really really great question. Thank you for for the thought provoking question and hope it, uh hope it sorts out and and, and it all works out well for you, mate. That's it for us for this week. We've had a long one, but it's been lots and lots of fun. With lots of other questions coming in and. Yes, at some point soon there'll be a Bitcoin episode because I have to do these things. It's in Andrew's contract. I'm gonna, to I'm gonna orange Bitcoin. pill you, Scott. Have, have you heard that term? You, you see, you explained this to me off air, and at the time I thought you said orange pill. Such was my lack of ability to understand what actually is going on, and I, you actually even explained it to me, and I still am not entirely sure. I'm well,
0: you haven't watched The Matrix, so you you you're, you're you're out of touch in more ways than I even imagined. So it's. Uh, but, but i'm gonna i'm gonna orange pill you p-i-l-l i'm gonna orange pill you and our right. listeners and that's that's my goal it's it's it's, oh, it's gonna be a challenge that i'm gonna try my best
1: i um, there are some people at uh listener who i can pay to make sure episode never makes it aware we shall see we shall see <laughs> but until then full on cheers